All right, on the opening song sheet, you have an opening prayer for Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, 1 through 17, and we'll be here this week and next week at least. So will you guys begin uh, with this, the, uh, praying this opening prayer with me, and then I will read for us Matthew uh, 1, 1 through 17. Our Father, allow your Holy Spirit to reveal to us this wise picture of Jesus' life. Teach us to listen, consider, and implement what we see into the way we live. Let us see your kingdom anew, and let our desires be to seek and follow your ways. Jesus, we want to be your disciples. Help us live our lives for you. Amen. Matthew 1, 1 through 17. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Abimadad, and Abimadad the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz, by Rahab and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel was the father of uh, Abidud. Abidud was the father of El, 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 Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Elihud. Elihud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Matan. Matan was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So all the genealogies of, from David, Abraham to David were 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. So we do not get very far in Matthew before we see Matthew hit his major theme, and that is the kingship of Jesus and God's kingdom come starting to take shape. I love that in this, Matthew wastes no time, and you guys will see in a minute, Matthew wastes no time letting us know that he believes that Jesus is the promised Savior, the king that was promised to sit on David's throne forever, and the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham as well. The book of Genesis, this is the book of Genesis of Jesus. From the beginning, he was, and he is, and he is to come now and forever. And this doesn't only give us this doesn't only give us Jesus' background and pedigree. This lets us know who he is 
and what we can expect from Jesus in the coming pages, in the coming chapters of Matthew. So we'll take this uh, first in order. First, he says this, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ. This title, Jesus Christ, right away, we as readers are urged to believe and follow this Jesus, whom this story is told is the Christ. The Christ in this would have been the Messiah. So one of the things that genealogies do is genealogies help us in transition. It's transitioning from the Old Testament into the New Testament, from the promised Christ into who Christ is. And so the genealogy is going to serve to transition. Anywhere you see a genealogy in the Bible, you see transitions. And right now, the Christ, he is saying the Christ is the Messiah. The Messiah is the one, the Savior of Israel and the light of the nations that the Old Testament talked about. So we're transitioning from talking about to seeing him in real life. In short, Jesus is the ultimate anointed one. He is the one who God has said, this is my chosen one, and we will see that more and more in the time to come. But the Jewish readers of the Gospel of Matthew or the Jewish listeners, as we learned last week, those the first book of Matthew was only like 10% uh, uh, could read, and so there would have been uh, 90% that couldn't read, and so this would have been told. The Jewish readers and listeners of the Gospel of Matthew would be familiar with what Matthew was trying to say by calling Jesus the Christ. In the Old Testament, there was a Savior that was prophesied about, that was mentioned frequently, and that the people of Israel were waiting for with great anticipation and hope. The Christ was expected to come and establish a new kingdom and a new kingship. Even uh, not a, a new nation, but a nation brought together. For people who were occupied by Roman rule, who were not free to occupy and live in their own land as they would like, they would have longed for this Christ to see the world reconciled by the goodness of God. Next, we have the title, The Son of David. And this is a little bit peculiar because this title is before the son of Abraham. And if you've read the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was frequently mentioned. And in a list, in a genealogy, or in a patriarchy, Abraham would have been the one who established the family line. He was the first one the covenant would be mentioned under, and it would have been uh, he would have been given kind of top billing over above David um, out of reverence and respect. And now this is not done out of disrespect to Abraham. It is done, however, even though the family line started with Abraham, the picture of our family line. David is the picture of what the first listeners to would have thought of when they thought of king, a king. And so Matthew here is setting it up. The son of David is listened first because we have our long-anticipated king. This Jesus who I'm about to tell you about, who is a Christ, here he is, and now here is his story. And we're going we're gonna to tell that and dive into it. Here we see that Jesus wasn't just a Jewish figure. More than that, he's a royal figure. And this theme of king and his new kingdom is important for us even as we try and live this out today. So as we go through Matthew, we are supposed to be constantly reminded he's not spoiling anything. He's not waiting to reveal. He's saying that Jesus is our king, which means he is establishing 
His kingdom that will reign forever. And as we long to see his kingdom anew and we want to follow him, we can see that Jesus comes from royalty. And we will watch as we see this Jesus come as a child, mature into full manhood, uh, a man of integrity and leadership and honor that befits a royal title like king. And it doesn't matter how he was born or where he lived, we get to know right away that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He is above even Caesar at the time or any of our presidents or um, the reigning kings of various kingdoms these days. We can say amen to this and welcome Jesus into our life as the the one that we long for to set things right and set up his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So right off the bat, we see that we have our savior, our king, And we haven't even finished verse 1. These are all things that we want in our life, that we want to be there. And I am praying that even in this opening line, that we will get our hearts ready to just see what God has for us. This idea of longing and, and expectation that we may expect to see the newness of this king and what this king and his kingdom will bring. That the, the freshness of Jesus' life and that it will teach us to live our lives for him and that God's glory and beauty of his kingdom may be on display in the pages and the weeks to come in, in our lives as we go through this. And so we have our new and promised king and let us anticipate that with great joy. I, I, I wrote it this way, the joy of the edicts or his rule in our life. So when Jesus issues something into our life, let us receive that with great joy. Follow him because he is showing us the way in this life. Jesus is going to show us the way to live in his kingdom. And so may we pay attention to this king in his kingdom. Before we leave verse one, we also have the title, the son of Abraham. This is speaking to a national, but also a personal identity. Jesus is Jewish. He is the king and the promised one that has been spoken about in the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. The people of the Old Testament, identified as the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are to be known and uh, would be loved to be acknowledged in this way. And Jesus is there too. He was the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's Jewish. He's from the right tribe for all the prophecies to take place and be fulfilled through him. And as we have this list, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, we're not going to mention every name in here. I don't think we will have a test and name of pronunciation next week. So um, if you'd like, you can go back through the Old Testament and read about most of these names. Not all of them are mentioned, but you can read about most of them. And I, I, I think like, why isn't every single name mentioned other than maybe this one time? But there have been 46 different presidents in our, in our timeline. Most of us don't know all of them. I, I don't, at least. Let alone what they accomplished or didn't accomplish. We don't know, like, all the 46 presidents, whether they were good for our nations, bad for our nations, indifferent. But uh, we know that uh, one came, and then there was the next one, and then there was the next one, and now our 46th president is Joe Biden. We know some of them, right? We know some of them. And, but that's, that's how it would have been the same way. You can read about some of these kings uh, that are in this list of genealogies, but not everyone is given headlines. And as 
we have read this list and we, we're not going to spend a ton of time looking at individuals' names in this list until next week when we look at the women of this list, and that's for good reasons for us as non-Jews, we look at this list and can see a number of things that may or maybe they may not jump out to us in the list. If we did know every single name on this list, we could see and what they did and who they were, we could see some good folks. We could see some righteous folks who loved God and wanted to follow his ways and strove to do what was right, even if they didn't do it perfectly. And then there were also those in this list that didn't want anything to do with the God described in the Old Testament. In this list, we have men who kept faith and men who ran after idols. It is a varied list, and it goes to show us that even in genealogy, or Jesus' genealogy, not everyone was perfect. He didn't come from this perfect line. There were some flawed folks along the way. And this, is, this list represents Israel's history. There are some who did great things. There are some who did great things. For me, in this list, I naturally think of Josiah because we named a son after this king. But he was a king who desired to follow God, who destroyed idols, and took, took the idols off the high places, and he reestablished some of the feast and celebration that honored God in his ways. Josiah, the king, was not okay with the nation he was leading serving idols. He wanted to get rid of those idols. He wanted... He did all he could in his power to stop the worship of them and remind the people that they were to worship God alone. Worshiping God alone is a big deal. It's something that we still need to be reminded of all the time to shed our idols and worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit alone. Worship the one true God. There are some things who, there are some kings in this list who did some really foolish things. Some very, very foolish things. And this list shows us, as Martin Luther once was reported to say, that God can draw straight lines with crooked sticks. He can take this broken group of people and Jesus comes from it. This should, at least for me, give us hope. If every one of us were to have a genealogy of both our mother's and our father's side and all through, we might not have royalty in our blood, and we, but we would find some honorable folks, wouldn't we? We'd also find some dishonorable as well, wouldn't we? Our family line doesn't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. You can be the first Christian in your family line or the 100th. What matters is that we get to follow Jesus. This is important for us to remember. What matters is that we follow Jesus, that the grace of God covers this, the sins and flaws of our ancestry because no ancestry is perfect, not even Jesus. So your family line doesn't have to have a legacy of faithfulness for you and your family to be faithful. Whereas I, I do believe that to be true. It's also true that grace has seen fit to keep this family line intact. At least we can see that in this time. And I believe that God can and does work through the family of origin, sometimes because of them, the gifts that were given to them, sometimes despite them. The bottom line is that God's grace is from generation to generation. Even if that grace just appears to be just common to all mankind, it is still God's sustaining grace that allows all life to grow and live there. There are those of us today who have long traditions in our family line of serving Jesus. 
I pray that that may continue for many, many more generations. May God continue to do that work in and through your family line. There are those among us today who uh, are the first of their kind, the first that call Christ the King in their family lines. And I pray that that may be the seed and the start for that generation and that may continue for generations as well. That there our children may worship Jesus, that their children may worship Jesus, that their children may worship Jesus. On and on and on, generation to generation, may God establish himself as king in their lives through Jesus Christ and pray that our children and beyond may worship and serve him as well. Here at the beginning of Matthew, we have 42 generations represented. Luke goes even further, but here Matthew did 42. God's faithfulness to grant and give life and protection to every single generation is seen, is implied. It is God who protects. It is God who cares. It's God who's making his plan. Sometimes it takes generations to do this. It is God taking care about the family line because he is the one that preserves them. And I'll end with this. We need God to preserve us too. We need him to watch over our life. And we can't take the credit for being self-made or anything like that because it took a long time for us to get here on earth. And God has a plan for us. And he is just like he had a plan for Jesus. So I pray that we may listen to Jesus. That we may follow him. In, in, in a lot of respects, I pray that we may just honor our ancestors, be grateful for them, that they came before us, that God's grace is through them, whether they were good or bad. But more than that, we honor the one who kept the family line intact. And he kept it intact for his purposes and his glory, just like he did with Jesus. So I pray that we may just see Jesus genealogy in such a way that not only is it just a transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but what what family line you come from, it's okay. Jesus has got you. And Jesus continue to work. And I pray for generation upon generation. Uh, I don't know if I've prayed for 42 generations, but that would be pretty amazing. That might take a minute too, but for, for uh, 42 generations that, um, Lord, will you just come And will you be over our generations? Lord, we can see here that you are the one that puts this all together. Lord, we ask you to do that for us. In Jesus' name, amen.